listening to Beyond the Game. I love you guys. love the program. You're already famous in Rochester, but watch out world. It's a faith-based sports radio program. That's the dumbest thing I could think of. I love everything about it, the, the, the beards, the handshakes. That just means I'm never leaving my kids alone with you. The ladies are digging my sweet bass. We would be honored if you would join us. Hello, everybody. I'm Rick Benson. Welcome to the Beyond the Game program, along with Zach Barletta. So nice to have you with us as well. BTGprogram.com or at BTG program. It's sports talk without all the trash talk. So the NFL draft has come and gone. And as you and I, Zach, were texting throughout the evening of the mm-hmm. of the draft, you're pretty happy with how your Buffalo Bills did, aren't you? Yeah, I, I feel like uh, throughout the course of the texting, throughout the first round of the draft, one of us was a lot happier about the results than the other was. Yeah, what what did you tell me? For the second year in a row, my New York Giants helped you out significantly? Yeah, it really did us a solid. Well, last year, the Giants not picking a quarterback at the top of the draft helped Josh Allen fall to where the Bills could move up and get him. And then this year, the Giants surprisingly, maybe even shockingly, taking Daniel Jones at six, helped Ed Oliver fall down to nine for the Bills. So two years in a row, you know, we really appreciate what you guys did. Well, give me an overall. What is it about the Bills draft? Obviously, here in Western New York, we have a lot of Buffalo Bills fans listening. Yeah. We'll get into the Giants in just a minute, but <laughs> tell me what it is that you like that the Bills did. Well, I felt that they, one, that they got good value, and I felt that um, they really were able to fill needs on the roster. I mean, three-technique defensive tackle was the biggest glaring need that they had. Uh, they had a, several good rotational players there, Harrison Phillips, Jordan Phillips, but not really a guy that you would feel comfortable starting to fill the large shoes of Kyle Williams. You know, and Ed Oliver was not supposed to be there at number nine for them. Um, There's a lot of talk that they would trade up to get him, and they were able to stay put at nine, and he fell right into their laps. You know, the, the player that they needed at the position that they needed without having to use any extra picks to move up to get him. So that was fantastic for me. It's been a week. I I am still confused about what the New York Giants were trying to do by taking Duke's Daniel Jones. I get it. They love the guy. But the number six overall pick in this year's NFL draft, I want to be careful to say, look, I I don't think that taking Jones is necessarily a bad thing. It's a nice pick. I just, I think he probably might have still been available at 17. And you really, there, there was some, the Giants defense is decimated. Mm-hmm. There was an opportunity to get a game-changing guy at number six. And yeah. in all likelihood, in my opinion, Jones is still available at 17. But the Giants made this pick because GM Dave Gettleman loved the guy, was absolutely in love with the guy's talent. He sees something that apparently some of the other teams don't see. While Gettleman had a news conference last Saturday to discuss the draft and you got to kind of wonder if part of this news conference wasn't to defend his pick uh, because that's what it ultimately ended up being it wasn't long before he was asked about that six pick and why didn't they wait take him at number 17 to which Gettleman said I know for a fact that there were two teams that would have taken him in front of 17 I know that for a fact now the problem is the fact is maybe not so much a fact, according yeah. to reports. Now, again, who knows what he knew? We don't know for sure who those other teams 
would have been. We would speculate that probably the Washington Redskins and the Denver Broncos at the 10th and 15th spots. With Jones off the board, Denver traded out of 10, Washington, of course, with Dwayne Haskins. ESPN's Adam Schefter reported that neither of those teams were in on Jones. He stated on his podcast that he knew before the first round that the Redskins were taking Haskins and that the Broncos were not taking Daniel Jones in the first round. So that kind of leaves the Miami Dolphins. Mm-hmm. They were picking number 13. If they, they were the only other team, and they ended up going with uh, the, the, the kid out of Clemson, um, Christian Wilkins. Mm-hmm. So then they traded. And here's the thing that got me. They traded the number 62 overall pick, and then they traded a fifth rounder next year. I think it was a fifth rounder for Arizona's Josh Rosen. Mm-hmm. The Giants couldn't have done that? I mean, if Daniel Jones was available in last year's draft or Josh Rosen was available in this year's draft, Josh Rosen would have been the hottest commodity out there, don't you think? Absolutely, yeah. Daniel Jones probably isn't a first-rounder in last year's draft. You can say what you will, but the Giants needed to take a quarterback last year. I love Mm -hmm. Saquon Barkley. Great runner. I, I love it. But with the number of quality quarterbacks available last year's draft, that was the move then. Absolutely. Either at number two last year, either you have to take a quarterback yourself or trade out of the spot because so many teams were willing to give up so much to get their quarterbacks. So think about it this way. Would you rather have Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones like you do have? Or if you flip-flop the years, would you rather have had Sam Darnold and then Josh Jacobs, the top running back this year? Yeah, and as I said... Don't I'm. I, it's not that I dislike John. I just don't like it at number six. Right. You know, it, even if he wasn't available at number seventeen, then it would stand to reason that Dwayne Haskins would have been. Mm-hmm. And is that such a terrible backup plan? I mean, is Daniel Jones that much better a prospect than is Dwayne Haskins? Obviously, the Washington Redskins don't think so. No, and to be honest, I don't know that the Redskins would have picked Jones. I feel like Haskins was the guy all along. Just because what he does um, fits their offense so well and is so similar to what Alex Smith would have been giving them this year. So, you know, I feel like he probably would have been there at 17. I guess if Jones turns out to be the quarterback that Gettleman thinks he is, we won't have anything to say. Mm -hmm. But doesn't that put a lot more pressure, do you think, on Jones to succeed? You're the number six pick in the draft. That's a lot of pressure, isn't it? Well, it was going to be a lot of pressure either way because either you're the number six pick in the draft, which is higher than anyone thought you'd go. But if you pick him with the second pick in the first round, now he's the guy that Odell was traded for. So it's really a lose-lose situation for him. At one point, the camera showed Dwayne Haskins when the Giants (laughs) made their pick. Now I get it. It was in the moment and all that. But still, he didn't seem real pleased to have been passed up. And the problem is the Redskins are a division rival of the Giants, and they're going to see each other twice a year. And you wonder if that will be some added incentive for Haskins to sort of stick it to the Giants every time he takes the field against them. Would you be one of those grudge-type players? Would that give you added fuel? To an extent. I remember certain teams, the certain teams that you play against and you just can't seem to find a way to beat them. Those are the teams I would hold a grudge against. Um you know, if a guy, if a pitcher hit me, I would hold a grudge. Um, but you know, after a while, it just becomes, you know, you get to the point where you're like, uh, "Why do I hate these guys again?" And it becomes like you've held a grudge for so long, you can't even remember why, and then it just sort of goes away. Holding a grudge is 
really about revenge, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And you want revenge. We want to see that other person get what we feel they deserve. And from a player's perspective, uh, we're willing to go all out, maybe even a little extra, to make sure they get what we think they deserve. But is that biblical? Is it okay to hold a grudge? I think there's a fine line between wanting to defend your reputation as being a quality athlete, a, a good player, and exacting revenge for what you perceive to be uh, a personal attack, you know, something that hurts your pride. He didn't pick me. He picked somebody else. And you can take your pick from any number of Bible verses which deal with revenge. Uh, but I'll just share this one. Romans twelve nineteen says, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. I think it's okay to want to defend yourself. I think that's okay. Show what you're capable of. That's competitiveness. That's what we like about sports. We like that competitive edge, but it becomes something else when we allow ourselves to be bitter about it, to become uh, bitter over something to the point that we want somebody else to suffer because of it, uh, because of something they've done to us. There's a difference between wanting to win or wanting someone else to lose. Sure, one happens at the expense of the other, but even so, it's the nature of sporting competition. But when the motive of the heart The motive of the heart is to see someone lose because you're angry or bitter towards them. Well, I think that's sinful. Ephesians 4, verse 31 and 32 says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Holding a grudge against someone is to allow bitterness to fester and grow. We need to be able to forgive and to move on. Again, go out, win the game, just like you want to go out and win every game, or at least I would think. Go about your business. Colossians 3.13, bearing with one another, forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. I'm sure we've all been forgiven of something. I know I have that we've done. We're familiar with that feeling of relief that comes with being forgiven, a burden have having been lifted. Nobody exemplifies forgiveness quite like Jesus, of course. Even though he'd done nothing wrong, they beat him, they mocked him, they whipped him, they tortured him. Then they made him carry his own cross to which they would nail him to and hang him there to die. And as he was dying, his response was to ask God to forgive them. Luke twenty three thirty four. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I don't know what it is that someone forgave you of, but these people were torturing and killing Jesus, and he forgave them. Certainly, whatever I've done is not to that offense of torturing somebody, killing somebody, and Jesus was able to forgive them. I should be able to forgive if Jesus can do that. We can choose to hold on to grudges and not be forgiven We can be bitter for the rest of our lives, but that's not what God tells us to do. It's not what he wants. It's certainly not Christ-like. By the way, the thing you need to be forgiven of by somebody else, that thing that you've done, was probably a sin against God as well. And that person may have forgiven you, but have you ever gone to God and asked for his forgiveness? The Bible promises that by confessing our sins, God will forgive and cleanse us from the stain of sin. First John 1 John 1.9 says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful 
and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Without the forgiveness of sins, we all face the wrath of God. John 3.36 says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Though you're guilty of sin, though you deserve just punishment, Jesus paid that penalty on our behalf. Jesus died on the cross to pay for our sins. That's why he allowed himself to be beaten and crucified. It was for you and me. Out of his love for you, he was paying a debt which we owe. John 3, 16 and 17 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Forgiveness of sins is only available through Jesus Christ. It's only available because of what happened at the cross. And God offers forgiveness, and he offers eternal life to you and to anyone else who's willing to accept it. I hope that today you will pray to God, that you will admit your sin and guilt, that you'll tell him that you believe Jesus died on the cross and was buried and rose again, and ask God to forgive you and to help you repent from your sins. It's time to take a break, but if we can, feel free to let us know by reaching out to us through our website. If we can be of help to you, the website is btgprogram.com. Thanks for being with us. Along with Zach Barletta, I'm Rick Benson. This is the Beyond the Game program. I can't seem to stand on my own feet. Who do you think when you have such a Time now for this week's Red Hawks recap. Looking back on the week in Roberts Wesleyan College Athletics, this week will cover up through Wednesday, May 1st. The Red Hawks recap being brought to you by Roberts Wesleyan College. The Roberts Wesleyan men's lacrosse team was in the East Coast Conference postseason for the first time in program history as the number four seed taking on top-seeded Mercy College on the road this past Wednesday. Hunter Lemieux and Kyle Dunham got the only two goals for the Red Hawks as they fell to Mercy 16-2. It was also a first-round road loss for the women's lacrosse team as they took on number 5 Malloy College. The final score there was 18-3. Emily Tomei, Emily Knight, and Lindsay Buckel each notching goals in the loss. The men's golf team heads to Atlanta next weekend for the NCAA D2 Men's East Regional. Depending on how they fare there, as well as at the D2 Championships in West Virginia later this month, this could conclude our regular Red Hawks recaps for this school year. Of course, we'll keep you up to date with any breaking news, and we'll be back when the fall sports season kicks off later this year. And remember, you can always stay up to date with all the Roberts Wesleyan Athletics action at their website, robertsredhawks.com. There you'll also find news, scores, highlights, and more. And of course, you can follow Roberts Wesleyan Athletics on Twitter, at RWC Redhawks. This has been the Redhawks Recap presented by Roberts Wesleyan College. If you know a high school athlete looking to become their best self, think Roberts Wesleyan College. Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts. We recently won six conference titles. Our teams have made three NCAA national championship appearances and 96 student athletes were named East Coast All-Conference. And Roberts has the only NCAA Division II program in Greater Rochester. Tell the athlete in your life about Roberts. Visit roberts.edu. Spring is finally here. The grass is actually visible. And pretty soon those pesky critters are going to be coming out. Whether it's ants, bees, mice, or even raccoons in your attic, Town & Country Pest Solutions have a solution. They have been in business for over 25 years and their team of knowledgeable professionals guarantee their work. 
Call Town & Country today at 585-426-5024. That's 585-426-5024. Or visit them online at townandcountrysolutions.com. Town & Country Pest Solutions. They fear nothing but God. Welcome back into the program. So glad to have you here with us on the Beyond the Game show. We're coming to you from Rochester, New York, recording from the BTG studio, but you can get the show wherever it is that you are. The show's available at your convenience via podcast. It's downloaded every week all around the globe and throughout these great United States, places such as Thornton, Colorado. The football Denny brothers were from Thornton, graduating from Thornton High School. John was a long snapper for the Dolphins, and you probably remember Ryan, Zach. He was a played a number of years at defensive end for the Buffalo Bills, mm-hmm. Ryan Denny. Thanks for listening out there in Thornton, Colorado, wherever it is you're listening from, and however it is you're listening, whether it be on radio or podcast, we thank you for being with us as well. Time to give it over to Zach. He can hit us with a couple of shenanigans statements this week. All right, truth or shenanigans. Yankee slugger Luke Voigt will be the American League's starting first baseman in the All-Star game. That is that is a wild thing to think, but I agree. Why not? The guy's been solid. He leads the league in OPS. He's tied in home runs. He's second in RBI. I believe there is such a thing, though, as the anti-Yankees bias, and that may come into play, but I, I see no reason why he won't be. He's right there with the top guys in the league, guys like you'd think, like White Sox, Jose Abreu, having a good year. Uh, Indians' Carlos Santana has an advantage in batting average, but that's about the only thing. I think, of course, he's got the home field advantage, too, so that might have mm-hmm. some effect. But uh, I'm going to say I agree. I agree as well. Um, you know, you look at most of the uh, important counting statistics um, for first baseman in the American League. He's top three in just about all of them and top two in many of them. You also look around the American League, and it's First base is not the glamour position that it used to be. That's in fact. Where it used to be that your big-time sluggers were first basemen because they were these big, hulking guys that couldn't play anywhere else. And actually, Voight's kind of that guy. But um, around the league, first baseman's pretty weak. I think it's a perfect storm. I think he's their all-star starter. Number two, Bills running back LaShawn McCoy will still be on the roster when the season starts. You're all decked out in your Bills sweatshirt (laughs) and Bills hat, so why don't you answer this one first? Well... I know that the coaching staff has been saying, oh, he's our starter. Don't even ask the question. He's our starter. I'm going to say true. I Or I'm going to say shenanigans. I'm sorry. I don't think he's going to be on the team. I think he's getting to the point where the off-the-field stuff with him, the locker room stuff, the, the ongoing criminal case, the being needy about you know when other running backs are added to the roster, all of that stuff, I think it's finally getting to the point where that's becoming a bigger issue because his play on the field is not of the Pro Bowl caliber. So I think eventually the the cons are going to outwear the pros. They're pretty full at running back now. Uh, I think maybe he ends up elsewhere. I'm going to disagree with you. I'm going to say that uh, I do agree that he will be on the roster when the season starts. Had you asked when the season ends, then, ah, I, then okay. that would change. If I'm not mistaken, he has a very tradable contract. And if the Bills are secure at the position, and they did a little work to get secure at the position, mm-hmm. uh, perhaps especially so if they are out of playoff contention and a needy team comes along wanting to make a playoff push, I think that team might be willing to give the Bills some assets to get a guy like McCoy. So I'm going to think that the Bills hang on to him until later in the season. 
All right, that's going to be a fun one to follow. Number three, the Carolina Hurricanes are the biggest surprise team of this year's Stanley Cup playoff. Yeah, man. It's hard to argue after they bounced the defending champions, and now they're, as we record this, up 3-0 on my Islanders, who swept Pat's Pittsburgh in the first round. Yeah, that's Mm -hmm. pretty surprising. I mean, you can make a case for Columbus, and you can make a case for Tampa if you're taking it from the negative side. Um, Although, you know, now that I say that, that's a tough one. I do think that Columbus might be just as surprising, but uh, I'm going to agree that the Carolina Hurricanes are the biggest surprise. I'm going to agree as well, and I think the big difference for me is that Columbus, we sort of all expected to be pretty good. We, I think Columbus, we sort of considered a contender, and Carolina was always like one of those teams, like, well, you know, if they ever could score some goals, they'd probably be all right, and look, here they are, about to potentially sweep your Islanders out. Um, I can't think of a bigger surprise team than Carolina, so I'm going to go with them. I'm going to say true. Coming up next, you like that? I'm Benson, he's Barletta. You're listening to the Beyond the Game program. It took me a long time to be able to say Chandler has cancer because that is such a scary word. When St. Jude finds something that works well with a certain cancer, they share that with everybody. And knowing that we don't have to pay for all of the medical expenses, that's huge. We just have to worry about helping Chandler, and he's just my heart. St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. Finding cures, saving children. Learn more at stjude.org. If you know a high school athlete looking to become their best self, think Roberts Wesleyan College. Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts. We recently won six conference titles. Our teams have made three NCAA national championship appearances, and 96 student-athletes were named East Coast All-Conference. And Roberts has the only NCAA Division II program in Greater Rochester. Tell the athlete in your life about Roberts. Visit roberts.edu. Welcome back into the program. Thanks for being with us. I'm Rick Benson. He's Zach Barletta. BTGprogram.com or at BTG program. Time for our You Like That segment. Jesus says in John 9, 34, we must work the works of him who sent me as long as it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. Daniel Meggs played college golf at Wake Forest. He's now working as a teaching pro. Daniel Meggs has stage four colon cancer. When you're a golf legend like Tiger Woods, your time is in demand, especially so considering he just won his fifth Masters a few weeks ago. What I like this week is that despite the limited amount of time that Tiger has, he took a break to send a video to Meggs as encouragement in his battle against cancer. Turns out Meggs is friends with Harold Varner III, who is also friends with Woods, and convinced the golf legend to shoot a quick video. Hey, Daniel, I know you're going through a difficult time, said Woods. I want to let you know that I'm pulling for you. Stay strong. Keep fighting. That's the most important thing. Never give up hope. You're an inspiration to all of us. Just keep hanging in there. Take care, dude. Tiger Woods taking time while there is time to take to encourage a cancer patient is what I like like this week. What I like this week is just going to continue the theme of the NFL draft that we've been talking about. Uh, we didn't find out this till a few days afterwards, but uh, Brandon Bean, the general manager of the Bills, when they were calling in the team's first-round pick of Ed Oliver, he had Bills superfan Ezra Castro, a.k.a. Pancho Billa, on the phone. Um, he gave him the name of the pick, Ed Oliver, and then put him on 
uh, the line to call into the league and officially give them the pick for the Buffalo Bills. Um, look, Ezra Castro has been moved into hospice care. We got to think he doesn't mm-hmm. have a lot of time left, but he's been inspirational in his support of the Bills through all of this. And so Pancho Billa being able to call in the Bills first round draft pick is what I like this past week. Thanks so much for being with us here on the Beyond the Game program. I do hope you'll join us again next week as we continue to talk sports and mix in biblical perspectives as we do it. But here's just one more thing, and it's one more thing from last week's NFL draft. The Cleveland Browns, they moved up several spots in the second round to select what many considered to be the best man coverage corner in the draft, and that's LSU cornerback Greedy Williams. On his conference call with Cleveland area reporters, Williams is reported as having said, I know one thing, that the Browns are going to the Super Bowl this year. That's a fact. Williams went on to say that me and Denzel, referring to Denzel Ward, the number four overall pick by the Browns in last year's draft, me and Denzel, we are going to tear up the league. You can go man on the outside all day, and we will lock down those receivers. He even added, possibly we can be the two Pro Bowl corners in the league playing for the same team. I was at the gym the other day, and they as you're on the treadmills, I have those video screens up there. And I couldn't hear the conversation because I had my headphones on. I'm listening to my music as I work out. and uh, But I could see that on the screen, they had the personalities debating this thing for 10 or 12 minutes. It went on. It's seemingly long time. Uh, I couldn't hear it as again, as I said, but I did hear it as it came up on Sports Talk Radio. And then I saw it on social media being both criticized and praised. Listen, you just can't overreact. To what a still relatively young kid, fresh out of college, said on what's probably going to be one of the most exciting days of his entire life. He's excited. Let him have fun. He's clear, obviously, he's confident. So what? He'll learn to temper both as he grows and as he matures. But for now, let him have fun. Let him be excited without feeling the need to throw this wet blanket of discouragement on him. We all have a tendency sometimes to overreact when we're provoked or when we hear something which bothers us or offends us. And chances are, if you're a Browns fan, you found his excitement to be infectious. If you're not, you may have found them to be irksome. James 1.19 seems to speak to both Williams and to anyone bothered by his excitement. James 1.19 says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. As I said, he'll learn to slow his words, but those who want to be critical, they can learn to slow their words as well. Choose your words carefully before you react. Learn the discipline of restraint. Don't take the kid out of the moment. Take a moment, breathe deep before you react with anger, wrath, frustration. Consider the circumstances. Consider the emotion. Consider the moment and let the kid enjoy it. And lastly, remember this. He might be right. That's our show for this week. Remember, this radio program is only on the air thanks to the generous support of our listeners. It's because of your prayers. It's because of your financial gifts that make the Beyond the Game program possible. Please keep us in prayer. Please ask God to not only use the sports talk radio program to impact those who hear it, but ask him to provide financially for the considerable expense of bringing this program to you. If you'd like to have a part in making this radio ministry possible, please visit our website, btgprogram.com. For Zach Barletta, I'm Rick Benson. Lord willing, we'll be back together again next week, right here at this same time. Be bold and be great this week, everybody.